0: Our second scripture today is Psalm 127. When God restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. When it was said among the nations, their God has done great things for them. Our God has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O God, like streams in the Negev. Those who sought with tears will reap the songs of joy. Those who would go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with joys, songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We celebrate the written word of Scripture Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me.
1: Loving God, as you enter into the whole of life, may we experience and feel your presence here with us. As we listen to your word, may it become deeply embedded in us that we might live out your word for the world you love so much. Amen. On June 19th, 1865, two months after the Civil War ended, Union troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, and United States Major General Gordon Granger read and posted the following order. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive, the president of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between an employer and a hired laborer. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued more than two years before that day, but we know, we know that the Civil War raged on well after that and that the Confederate states continued to fight to maintain the institution of slavery and continued to enslave human beings. On June 19th, 1865, the day we now observe as Juneteenth, As that day dawned in Texas, emancipation had not yet become a reality. The Civil War had been over for two months, but the former Confederate states did not readily repent and relent their enslaving ways. And so word had to travel to them with the authority and the power to enforce it. And so, on June 19th, 1865, General Gordon Granger arrived and read and posted General Order Number 3 with the might to back it up. Juneteenth. Now, a United States holiday marks that moment long celebrated in the African American community when the word of liberation reached Texas, the westernmost Confederate state, the moment it became real. The people of Texas are informed that all those who have been enslaved are now free. Imagine, imagine what that moment must have been like for those who had been enslaved. Some of those hearing those words had been born in Africa. They had been brutally kidnapped, chained, enslaved, and taken from their families in their homeland. They had somehow survived the horrors of the Middle Passage. So many enslaved people crammed into ships crossing the Atlantic. So many dying along the way. And when they arrived on the shores of the United States, they had been sold on an auction block. Others hearing those words on that Juneteenth, had lived their whole lives in slavery. Their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents had been taken from Africa, and their family members down through the generations, enslaved, sold, separated from each other again and again, transported across the southern states until they had arrived in Texas. All of those hearing those words that day knew the horrors of slavery brutal forced labor, rape, every kind of violence. As Nicole Hannah-Jones describes it, enslaved people were not recognized as human beings, but as property that could be mortgaged, traded, bought, sold, used as collateral, given as a gift, Or disposed of violently. They knew all that in their bodies and in their lives and now they heard these words, all those who have been enslaved are now free. When God restored the fortunes of Zion we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, their God has done great things for them. Our God has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Imagine what that Juneteenth moment must have been like for those who had been enslaved. Psalm 126 sings liberation like that. Psalm 126 likely arose as a song of a peace people recently returned from captivity in Babylon. They too had been taken violently from their homeland, part of the plunder of war, carted off to Babylon into exile from home as all they knew was laid waste. Psalm 137 laments the cruelty of their captivity. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered our home, there on the poplars We hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of our God while in a foreign land? Robert Alter calls Psalm 137 the impossible psalm. The lament is so painful that it renders the very psalm itself impossible to sing. In the pain of this moment, how can we sing these songs of home as they hung up their harps in the trees? Then... In Psalm 26, when they are allowed to go home, when they are at last free, those songs burst forth. When God restored our fortunes, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. In the verses that follow, the psalm compares it to streams in the desert. For them, the wadis of the desert, what we in California might know as arroyos, those dry, parched places that when the rain comes, become streams of flowing water. This summer, we will be immersing ourselves in the breadth and depth of the Psalms, what some have called the song book or the prayer book of scripture. We'll experience the Psalms as they sing with blunt poetic honesty the whole of human experience, the lament, the liberation, The joy, the suffering, the anger, the quiet desperation, the fear, the learning, the thirsting, the regret, the forgiveness, the peril, the rescue, the comfort of community, the betrayal of friends, all of life laid bare waiting to be sung. Waiting to be sung by a people longing for a God who is longing for them. This summer will join the multitudes around the world and down through the generations and across traditions who have turned to the Psalms, sung them, and prayed them through the whole of life as a way of seeking and talking to a living God. Sometimes, as one writer says, in language we never would have imagined would come from our lips to God's ear. have time over the course of the summer to consider these things and more as we read and pray the Psalms. For now, let's just notice this about Psalm 137 and Psalm 126. They hold together both lament and liberation, both sorrow and joy God experienced in both. In In the pain of Psalm 137 by the rivers of Babylon, tormented by their captors, there is a song of God's liberation poised there in the strings of the harps waiting for them in the poplars among the rivers. And in the songs of joy that spring forth in Psalm 126, when God restored the fortunes of Zion, even there, even there, the pain of captivity is still fresh and new, the memory and trauma never too far off. Notice that these Psalms hold together both memory and hope. Psalm 126 begins with a memory of that time, that time when God restored the fortunes of Zion, when after the pain of captivity and exile, God brought us back home. Do you remember? But then the memory becomes a present plea. When God restored the fortunes of Zion, remember, God, do that now. Do that again, now restore our fortunes, oh God. They find themselves back home now facing the next trouble. They've returned to a homeland that has been burned to the ground. They have to rebuild everything and life is hard. And so they remember the God who rescued them then and they sing that liberation into their present distress. Notice, this psalm is a living text. The people remember their encounter with God in lament and liberation. They sing that memory into the present hope, and the hope pulses off the page. We see the long season of planting and harvest. Those who go out to sow with tears, out in the lament of hard labor, return with the harvest of God's liberation. They go out weeping and return with songs of joy. They are transformed. They are freed as they join in the continuing experience of God's liberating love. The psalm comes to life in them the psalm transforms them and their world lament flowing into liberation parched desert earth gushing forth with living water weeping transformed into joy as we move through the psalms of the summer maybe we can ask of these psalms as we read them each of the psalms what is the lament what is the liberation and what Does this psalm require of us? What does this psalm require of us for it to come to life in us? What does this psalm require of us if we are to be transformed? As we read these psalms on Juneteenth, maybe we can ask those questions of that day. We hear the lament rising up out of the horrors of slavery. We hear the words of liberation, all those who have been enslaved are now free. And we ask, what must that have meant for those who had been enslaved? But then let's also ask this, what must that have meant for those who had participated in the enslaving? For those who had been complicit, for the white folks of Texas hearing those words, what did that day require of them? It required them to stop. Stop, stop brutally enslaving other human beings, stop the violence, stop the degradation, stop making money on the stolen labor and lives of others, tear down the institution from floor to rafter, stop your enslaving ways, period. But we know, we know that though the institution of slavery was declared dead that day, Resistance was fierce, and the power over of American racism mutated into systems that persist to this day. We've studied that here. We've studied that here in our anti-racism learning and work. From the work of Michelle Alexander and others, we know how white resistance to reconstruction was enacted into laws known as Jim Crow. We know how that resistance persisted all the way through the legislative achievements of the Civil Rights Movement. We know how a new Jim Crow persists to this day in judicial systems that result in the disproportionate mass incarceration of black Americans. From the work of Isabel Wilkerson and others, we know how racialized systems of housing and school segregation persist, part of what Wilkerson calls an intricate caste system that continues to harm black Americans and benefit white Americans. The Golden Gate Village Residence Council continues to school us in how those systems of housing and school segregation persist here in Marin County And we continue to learn how our benefiting from those systems, from those systems that harm others, is complicity. Just as the liberation of Juneteenth reverberates on down the years into the present day, so does the lament. The work of liberation is by no means complete, and so particularly in a community here that is not predominantly not black, as we remember and celebrate, celebrate Juneteenth, for it is a joyous day indeed, it's also on us to ask, what does Juneteenth require of us? What do these psalms of liberation and lament require of us? To paraphrase something, Professor Yolanda Norton said from that pulpit, they require that we stop. Stop participating in systems that oppress and that then we join the work to actively dismantle them. That's the broad answer. And I also wanna be specific because we get hit with all of that and it's big, it's tough to absorb and we're left saying, but what can we do? Actually, it's not hard to find the work that is ours to do because it's everywhere and it's right there in front of us. We can start with communities and organizations we know who have had the grace to invite us into this good work. We can celebrate Juneteenth and remember and tell the story tomorrow. The residents of Golden Gate Village and the friends of Golden Gate Village and the Marin City community have invited us and all of Marin to celebrate and to recommit to the work of Juneteenth in Marin City's celebrations. There's a prayer breakfast that some of us are going to. I I heard on the news that it was sold out, but you can join in the 10.30 a.m. opening ceremonies and march in Marin City. We can join the work. For the past few years, those same communities have invited us to be active in continuing issues of racial justice here in Marin County, particularly by speaking up to the board of supervisors, most recently against the racism embedded in the Drake Avenue Development Project, and four, a citizen's commission to hold accountable the Marin County Sheriff's Office. Barbara Rothkrug went and spoke on that at the Board of Supervisors meeting last week. We can support organizations that do the work, particularly those led by people of color. Just a few weeks ago, Yolanda Norton was here and she shared the work of the Global Arts and Theology Experience, GATE, as they continue the good work of the Beyonce Mass and work to launch the Black Girl Magic Academy as GATE continues its work to lift up black women and girls making a difference in the world. We can support their Juneteenth initiative by giving on the GATE website. And as we act, we can continue our learning and join our voices in telling this part of American history and telling it true. When I post the text of this sermon, it will have footnotes to the works I've referenced, links to some of them. Give them a read. For Juneteenth, as, and as we head toward the 4th of July, I particularly recommend reading of some of the 1619 Project. And there's a link to that in the, in the manuscript. And we can continue that learning and work as an integral part of our spiritual life. As we begin our psalm series, I'm reading Psalms for Black Lives, Reflections for the Work of Liberation. And did you know that our friend, Reverend Floyd Tompkins, has a new book coming out? He's preached here. He's the pastor over at St. Andrew. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, devotions for people working for justice and peace. It's set to be released on June 26th. Either of those books would be a good summer companion for exploring and engaging the work of racial justice. On June 19th, 1865, folks who had been enslaved stood in a crowd and listened to a United States general proclaim these words, all who have been enslaved are now free. That moment birthed a new reality It made the promises of our Constitution just a little bit more true. And all these years later, Juneteenth invites us to remember and to celebrate and to commit again to the work of liberation that came to life in that moment, to let these psalms come to life in us as we sing, to hope for and to live for a world that might look like this every day. When God restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, their God has done great things for them. Our God has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. May it be so like that in you and in me and in the lives that we live.